Hello, welcome to Exploit It. I'm Alexis Jowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about Final Destination 3 from 2006, directed by James Wong. There it is. Oh, oh, oh my god. Yes, yes. That was Judge. so awesome, Ashley. Ashley. Okay, come on. It won't kill us to get a deep fried Snickers in a coat. Before Riding Devil's Flight, yeah, that might kill found out about this high school French class. They went on a trip to Paris. When they were boarding, the kid had a vision that the plane was going to explode. Just like you did. Man, you're reading into this shit like them damn urban legends. Wait, are you guys saying that death is like a person? Three people have died. <laughs> this picture shows how he died. Look after them, we're next. With these pictures of us in there. Newton says that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. How can you explain what happened to us as siblings? Everyone imagines weird stuff when they get scared. This fear is more than just being scared. There is someone walking behind you. Turn around. Look at me. There is someone who really loves you. So this actually I've come to realize as I watched the franchise this week is my favorite one of the group. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them. This is the first one I've seen. Though uh, having read all of them, I don't think it's necessary for me to have seen any of them to watch any of the other ones. Well, just don't watch four. Four is a piece of shit. The rest. You mean the final destination? Yes. But in classic horror sequel fashion, where there's a part five, that's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I first watched this one because I'd seen the original Final Destination in theaters, and this Final Destination three I watched back in the days of GCS, where they would let us watch TV on mute on Saturdays. Ah, uh, yes, good times. And I watched Final Destination three there and thought this thing is a piece of shit, but I've it's grown on me. I actually well. We'll talk more about it as we go on, but it's it's actually pretty well done. Yeah, a big thing with this one, I'll point out first, is that, well, the first two movies, the sequel, like, directly follows the first one, even recycles some of the characters. And Final Destination 3, when they made it, they made it as a standalone movie. Uh, I mean, even though there's a lot of things that tie in that we'll get to... Reference thing. But this this takes place six years after the first movie. And we're opening at a an amusement park as the kids from McKinley High School are celebrating their high school grad night. They're going on the yep. rides and our main character, Wendy, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she's taking the pictures of them all and everything's super ominous. This movie wastes no time in building. Oh, I know. They lay this on so thick. She takes a picture of, like, they're on this kind of free fall thing called The Dive. But the second she takes the picture, the V is burnt out, so it just says The Die. Yeah, there's nothing subtle about the first 20 minutes of this movie. Yeah, like a roller coaster goes by and she's like, oh, no, spooky. Uh, I noticed a few things. First of all, I'd like to mention I had grad night at uh, Castle Amusement Park in whatever the hell city that is nearby where we grew up. And uh, so this was kind of a a familiar feeling. We had grad night on a boat. That sounds kind of (laughs) cool. It was boring. And you couldn't leave. It It was like going to a boring party that you can't leave because it's in the middle of the fucking ocean. Well, we couldn't leave grad night either. We were stuck here till six in the morning, whatever it was. We're like passing out in the food room, and like, same here. Fun. And it's like no, there was no alcohol to be had, so and right. we couldn't leave because we were on a boat. <laughs> we had infinite food, but you can only eat so much. So there's a dude named Texas Battle in this yes, movie as well. The, and that is not 
the best name. Also, there was apparently Canadian casting, so I got really worried really fast. Well, the movie was shot in Vancouver. Yep, see? Really worried really fast. <laughs> yeah, um, Texas Battle, the actor, by the way, he plays Lewis. Yeah. The I read on the trivia page that the script supervisor for this movie just got so annoyed with him because he was the king of adding fuck to every line. Oh, but yeah, well, that tracks based on his character. <laughs> based on his character, yeah. So Wendy is dating this fellow Jason, and then her friend Carrie is dating the main guy. What's his fucking name? Uh, Kevin. It's Kevin. <laughs> yes, yes, you would remember it that. Is, it is indeed Kevin. And Kevin in this movie is kind of a dick. He takes the the yearbook camera and takes an upskirt photo. This is 2006. Just throwing it out there. It was the style of the <laughs> To time. just take upskirt photos? Apparently. We'll get more about that upskirt photo, by the way. There's something when we see the photo that bothers me. Okay, okay. But, oh yeah, she says, you know, the yearbook doesn't need pictures of Stacy Kobayashi's camel toe. And I'm like, you went full on writing that last name, didn't you? <laughs> For a character that we only see her crotch, you gave her a first and last name and a backstory. And... So we also meet Ashley and Ashlyn. Whale tail one and whale tail yeah, two. That they're sitting there playing that thing with the whale tail. Because that's not because that's not a dated look. Oh no, that is totally 2006 fashion. There. That was yeah, the height of 2006 fashion. In fact, I remember Martha went to something and she's like, I can't believe the kids these days with these. Thongs hanging out. Yep, that was that was the style for reasons. And we also meet Franklin Cheeks, the f- worst fucking guy ever. Yeah, this guy is pretty terrible. He is so. This is our bro. This is uh, yeah. Yeah, he's our not necessarily practical Joker. He's our um, he's a piece of shit. Is what he is. He's just a huge perp. He is creeping all over Ashley and Ashlyn. And he's got this bro voice, like you were saying, but it's, like, really weak. Yeah. Yeah. And he he sounds almost like Jamie Kennedy in Malibu's Most Wanted. Yes. Because he tries to sound... (laughs) Because he's talking about how he won that uh, mudflap girl necklace. He's like, you know the wacky ladder, the ladder that wobbles? I took it. Then there's his way of impressing these girls. I won this. He's like, like... Bender of a few is like a pervy, just out of high school dude. Yeah, and he's Bender from Futurama. Yeah, baby, I know. And it. he, um, I don't know why he thinks this would impress those girls when he just starts licking his naked necklace. He's like, you like that, baby? <laughs> so fucking weird. And we also get uh, Wendy's sister happens to have snuck into grad night. Right, who's like a little bit younger than she is, like two years probably, yeah. or like a sophomore or something. She's in high school. Of course, they both look like they're college students, but we're going to just put that aside. For because now. that's every high school kid in every movie. <laughs> I, I know. That's why we're going to pretend this wasn't a thing that happened. So they're going on a ride called The Devil's Flight, yes. which is a roller coaster. Um, yeah, it's a, just a corkscrew roller coaster. Where, where was the shot, by the way? It was shot in Vancouver. This is an amusement park in Vancouver. I, oh, God, I can't remember the trivia. I know that this was an actual roller coaster that they had to CGI in extra loops and corkscrews. I was going to say, it's a pretty intense-looking roller coaster. I'm like, did you film this at Six Flags? I cracked open my roller coaster tycoon to try and rebuild this coaster and it came back saying nobody wanted to ride it it's just too too intense and impossible oh god oh god and so they're all in line for the ride and they they die yeah yeah let's let's go through this this disaster that every final destination movie has the disaster the first one had the airplane second one had the pile up this one has the roller coaster fourth one had the stupid ass looking nascar crash so uh, I did, in fact, uh, find it is it is at the Playland Amusement Park in Vancouver. Ah. It's called Corkscrew. It was also in Diarrhea of a Wimpy Kid, Dog Days, and the television series Smallville. Diarrhea of a Wimpy Kid? Diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. No. I mean, there was probably diarrhea involved. I didn't see the movie. Uh, 
But so the, the roller coaster goes, and well, first we get Lewis, Texas Battle's too big for his restraint, and they force it on him, and it apparently breaks the entire hydraulic system in the train. Yep. And the, the car gets going, and Frankie has his little video camera out. Because they're not supposed to have cameras on. Yeah, no loose objects, but he's got his video camera out because he's insisting that Ashley and Ashlyn flash him their tits when they do go through the loop. Yeah. And they go through the loop, and he's just screaming, show me your titties! And they slap the camera like, out. Like, like that's, why? Why would, why would you think that, they've shown no interest in doing any of this stuff up to this point. Why? Yeah. And also, these girls, as much as they dress it, they're actually not that slutty. <laughs> they're just airheaded. Yeah. <laughs> But they right. slap the camera and it wraps itself around the track. So when the train rolls over, it breaks the tires off the things, just, you know, derails. And nice gores. People fly around and get impaled on jagged bits of metal. People get torn apart. Yeah, people fall down to their death. <laughs> Kids way too strong, somehow holding on while high G-forces and no... Yeah, yeah he holds on to that thing right through these three corkscrews. <laughs> Like, yeah, that's no possible way. Before he flies off and smack into a pole. Yep. And, let's see. Oh, wow, I skipped a lot of my notes. But, oh, we get, you know, Wendy's the last one, and just before she dies, oh, this is a premonition. And so yeah. she starts screaming to get off the train, to get off the off the ride. And I like her panic out of all of these, this scene is in every movie where the person's like, we gotta get off, we gotta leave. Yeah. She's the only one that seems authentic. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, just, the movie is actually very well acted. I'll just yeah. say that right now. Um, way better than it should be. Way better than the rest of the series. I mean, this one, she, you know, she's like, oh, damn girl, you're good at this, you are selling this. And, you know, her and the characters that we've already discussed all get off the the ride, and, of course, it still derails and kills all their classmates. Because, you know, Final Destination. And so I watched this twice this week, and the first time I was just too lazy to put on the subtitles. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, but the remote, it's just out of reach. <laughs> <laughs> So when the train derails, Wendy's screaming, and I thought she was screaming, Jesus! But then with the subtitles, I realized she's screaming, Jason. Like, that makes more yeah. sense. She's screaming at her boyfriend than a random prayer. Yeah. And it goes cuts right from that to a commercial break. We'll be right back. Very nice. There is no escaping death. This is something you will learn as you ride the Devil's Flight Roller Coaster at the McKinley Amusement Park. Yes, the Devil does fly. It says right in the name of the coaster, Devil's Flight. This roller coaster has a loop and like 50 different corkscrews. You probably will die. No, not probably. You will die. There is no escaping death. Even if you don't ride the Devil's Flight, you will still die. Death will find you, no matter what you do. Now, you could wait for death to find you at a tanning salon, or a hardware store, or you can take control over your fate and go ahead and die in the devil's flight. It's not just the fact that this impossible ride has seemingly designed by a crack fiend playing roller coaster tycoon. We've also got plenty of other worrisome safety violations to ensure a more expectant demise for you and your friends. Inexperienced teenagers running the controls, leaking hydraulic fluid, safety restraints that don't always work, and brakes in the track. Fuck OSHA! We are here to kill you. Please refrain from carrying any loose objects in the devil's flight. Actually, 
Fuck it. Carry whatever you want. You're gonna die anyway. What does it matter? There is no escaping death. <laughs> and we're back. We have the rainy day to set the mood. That's very cliche. I mean, it, it's it's interesting. It's like in every movie, there's a rain scene. They, obviously, it's a big symbolism. The, the washing away of the past, leading to the new future, and the transitions thing. It's, it's always a symbol. It's like in every goddamn movie. It's it's funny. The first time I was told that by somebody, I think I was like eight years old or nine years old, I've watched every movie with that and gone, holy shit, that literally is in every goddamn movie. She goes to her high school. You know, they're graduated, so she just decides to throw away all of her fucking textbooks. I guess she owned them? Yeah, because my school would have charged you if you didn't return them. Did you Did you own any textbooks in high school? I owned a ton of ultra-expensive uh, textbooks in college, but I never owned my own in high school. Yeah, and I still have a lot of my college textbooks because I'm like, I paid 120 bucks for that fucking right. book. I'm never going to read it again, but goddamn, I'm not throwing it away. Have them in the garage somewhere. Yeah, um, or they would have like the, you could return them and sell them back for like five bucks. It's the, yeah, they give you the GameStop deal. Mm-hmm. You can trade your brand new game in for $3 store credit. Yeah. That's how it is with college textbooks, but her, she just throws all these books in the trash, and Kevin's trying to get her attention, and she's like, I'm over it, I'm trying to get over it. All the- she's obviously, survivor. survivor's guilt is a thing. So oh, yes. Yeah. And she does a good job of expressing yeah. that. She's like, I just came to get my diploma, and she's standing in the rain with it, it's getting soaked. All the other kids are signing each other's yearbooks. Yeah, she's not in a good place. No, and they all the other kids are like pointing and whispering, like, "Oh, there goes sad girl." Well, I'd like to point out that Kevin's girlfriend was going to go to Cal, so go back. Yeah, she said I was going to go to Berkeley. So I, for those who do not know, I am a Cal alum. So just uh, just throwing out there, and uh, then she died. So that sounds about sounds about yep. right. <laughs> much like Cal's. Yeah. Football. So sad. Ashley and Ashley go up to her and they invite her to go tanning to the tanning salon with her. With them. I love this scene because they're like, oh, we should totally go invite her. And they're like, oh, like, I'm thinking like, man, that's nice of them. And they go, man, that was so nice of us. I'm like, okay, you're right, but you don't have to say it. <laughs> you shallow girls. And Kevin throws out the info about the, um, like, oh, this has happened before. There was a plane crash and somebody premonition. Then they all died. You know, basically recaps the first movie. Right. And, of course, he read it on the internet, so you know it must be true. Yep. In this case, it is. (laughs) The internet had a little more credibility in 2006, I guess. Actually, I think it did. To be completely honest. And then, so we get these shots of Wendy's room here. You know, we get that scene she has with her sister real quick. Which is awfully touching. It is. Like, Like, I'm like, this surprisingly emotional like i'm actually getting kind of choked up with the scene i'm like wow the sister comes in to yell at her for taking this charm bracelet that her grandma gave her and wendy's just like i need help i i can't do this you know i have all this grief and sadness so the sister leaves the bracelet and it's like okay i got your back it's fine i'll visit you in college yeah and so we get this like shot of her room and she's got all these Ramones posters. She's got a Joy Ramone bobblehead. She's got a guitar. I'd like to point out that the kids before the uh, the roller coaster go off are singing uh, the beginning of Blitzkrieg Creek Pop. Oh, let's go! I oh, let's go! I was wondering if the Ramones thing was relevant. It didn't seem like it. <laughs> no, I was just interested because I'm like, wow, this girl has this whole backstory that's never explored. Like this, right? Like, no, she's got all these little little details. You wonder if it's like the set designer throwing a little bit here and there of their, you know, their interests and stuff. Yeah, it's the set designer's room. <laughs> That's what I mean, isn't it? No, the set designers. This is the room I wanted in high school. That's right. That's the chance you get to do. You get that. You get that chance. You you take it. Right? Yep. And so Ashley and Ashlyn are at the tanning salon, Phoenix Tanning Salon. Right. Which is run by Yuri, who is shouting in the cell phone with his wife practically the entire time in Russian. Right. And tries to tell the girls, I have to take it outside to the tanning beds, mask the signal or something. And um, he just tells them no drinks. 
but one of these Ashleys, they, they decide to take the drink anyway. And they go into the tanning salon. And they forgot their iPods, because 2006. Yeah, so they got to put on a CD. <laughs> and apparently we get some uh, Ohio players, though I would have preferred the uh, Chili Peppers version. Oh, I like the original. It has that, that urban myth of some woman screaming that people thought was a woman being murdered. <laughs> but it's just a, a scream that they threw in there for the song. But they, yeah, it's Love Roller Coaster, which is really fitting with the movie. Yes. And these girls are just, well, they're naked. They get naked. I like the the scene, too. It's like, I don't want someone to come in and see me naked. And then we get the only nude scene in the entire movie. Yeah. We all see them naked. Right. I, I think I think that's a, uh, a little wink nudge thing. And, in fact, the girl that says that um, is full nude. Although we don't see right. anything below the waist. We just get the dialogue where she asks the other Ashley, why are you wearing underwear? Because I guess her boyfriend or whoever uh, is into tan lines. Yep. Which is a thing. Yeah, why not? Yeah, whatever you like. No judgment here. And so we get what the Final Destination series is known for. These Rube Goldberg machine deaths. I know. I feel like there should be some uh, Danny Elfman music playing. There should be, because we've got the... Gary has blocked the door open with a thing of, like, tanning butter that is slowly being squeezed out, and the drink falls onto, like, the heater for the some electrical component for the tanning beds. That it says, this should never be set above 250, and so it shorts out and goes to 350. Right. And I'm like, well, if it should never, ever be set above 250, why is it capable of going above 250? Yeah, shouldn't there be some sort of, I, I felt this way about the roller coaster. Shouldn't there be some sort of fail-safe? Yeah, don't they put limiters on things like that? I don't know. It was 2006, so maybe not. I mean, they do on powered equipment. You know, there's limiters. Yeah, unless you're, you're working for a bad company who disables them, then, uh, well, let's just say I have my, my, my dad's firm has Quite a few clients that happens to. Oh! Bad things happen when limiters and guards are taken off. I'll just put it that way. There's this, there was this amusement park in New Jersey called Action Park, mm-hmm. where it was what's colloquially known as Class Action Park because everybody that went there yeah. got injured. Wow. Okay. And um, the guy who owned it found a loophole that doesn't exist anymore because people are like, oh, yeah, we should not allow people to do this. Is that he created his own insurance company to cover his park so he could therefore deny every claim. Sounds like New Jersey. Yeah, but Good job, New Jersey. one of the many dangerous things there is they took the limiters off the go-karts. <laughs> of course they did. But, yeah, these girls, they basically just burned to death at the CD shelf falls down and traps them both in the tanning beds, which are go up to, like, a million degrees and cooks these girls. They catch on fire. Yeah. Also, I'd just like to point out, tanning goggles are creepy. Like, really creepy looking. They are. Like, I know why they're shaped the way they are, because it keeps, like, tan lines around your eyes and stuff, but it's still really creepy. And the material it is, so, you know. Especially when you're getting... It's like this whole scene where they're, like, wearing these tanning goggles and, like, topless and, like, kind of singing in the tanning beds with it is really surreal. Yeah, because the tanning goggles look like googly eyes. Yes, it's really, really weird. But anyway, you know, horrific death, cool practical effects, like actually really cool practical effects. And it smash cuts to a funeral. In which uh, the the priest is delivering my world philosophy. Which is? It's about, you know, the inevitability of death and, you know, you can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat it, just accept it. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's Catholic. That sounds like Catholic uh, Catholic dogma to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wrote one of his lines. It says, we may feel that our lives are not our own and death frames and controls our lives. And he basically says, because it does. Yeah, I thought he was going to say, but, you know, in the blah, blah, blah. Nope, that's just how he goes with it. I'm like, he's, that's right like, on. He, he doesn't wrong. even mention God. He's like, yeah, we're all going to die someday. For these girls, it was the other day. Who knows when it is for you? Yep, I'm like, right on, priest. Uh, but this movie does have a very strong theme about control, having control over yes. your surroundings and your death. They they point out all the time that Wendy's a control freak. Um, There's this priest monologue like, yeah, we don't have control at all. We'll die. And Frankie Cheeks is awful. He tries to throw in a good message there, and then his narcissism kind of takes I over. I feel it's my fault. They needed to impress Franklin Cheeks by making themselves tan and look beautiful for me. If only I'd seen right. their, what is it, humanity? 
Yeah. He's obviously a complete sociopath. Yeah, and that, that, uh, he's trying in that scene though. That's that's as close to empathy as as Frankie could possibly manage. Yeah, and some random characters like congratulations, Frankie, you've managed to turn everything about you. <laughs> and right. we're gonna stop for commercial break real quick. Привет, hello. This is Yuri, owner and proprietor of Phoenix Tanning Salon. I am here to tell you that... You know, you know your boy! Sorry, my, my wife. She calls. She calls all the time. Phoenix Tanning Salon. We have tanning beds. They are very hot, like Phoenix. Get it? Fire bird, fiery skin. Uh, right, you know, we have... We can bronze your skin, here we burn your flesh and sear your naked body to make you beautiful ten color person. We also... We don't say yes! Because off! Sorry, my... My wife, you know, she call. She call all the time. I cannot remember time when she not call. I... Sorry, sorry. Where was I? Uh, no drinks in salon, we burn flesh. Oh yes, we have music. The Celine Dion, the Britney Spears, uh, the Love Roller Coaster, you know. Roller Coaster of Love is good. Yeah, it's music to burn flesh too, right? So, come down to... Sorry. Come to Phoenix Tanning Salon. We burn your flesh, you look beautiful. End of advertisement. So we get the uh, right after the funeral that Wendy chose not to attend. She chose to just sit at Jason's grave. To, yeah. Or even Kevin's like, what are you doing up here in the nosebleeds? And yeah. she points out the, the pictures that prophesize everybody's death, like this picture of Lincoln, the World Trade Center, things about the uh, – which is pretty ballsy to show that picture five years after the incident. It was still pretty fresh in people's minds. Yeah. We were still never forgetting then. Right. Now we've forgotten, sort of, mostly, yeah. apparently. Now it's like Memorial Day. Yeah, Pearl Harbor, Remembrance Day. It's like something horrible happened. Yeah. But we're so far removed from it now that it's hard, unless you were actually directly affected by it, probably hard to feel the... Uh, the sting anymore and so like she shows the picture of her boyfriend jason and the roller coaster is like kind of going through him because that's how he died yeah this whole scene like i'm having a real hard time my boomer eyes trying to see what the hell they're talking about so i had to rewind it like three or four times the picture of the ashley's is kind of like there's this flare so it looks like they're on fire and there's a palm tree they're holding which is the thing that knocks over the cd oh i thought it was a coat rack no, there's like a palm tree. That makes even more sense. Indeed. And so they're like, we got to save everybody. And so they, they decide to save Frankie. Like, why? I guess they're just noble. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, when you talk, yeah, I don't know. I guess they just feel like they have to save as many people as they can. Yeah, and they're looking at the, the picture of Frankie on the wa- the wacky ladder that wobbles. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how his death is foreshadowed there. They go to the drive-thru, and they don't know that they're right behind Frankie, this whole scene. You know, who's in a convertible. Right. And so they start... Apparently they don't know his convertible. Yeah. They start to get pinned in by this truck, which is for Heist Pale Ale, which is something that's in all the Final Destinations except the first one. Now, the name Heist was the name of the visual effects guy from the first movie. So it's named uh, it for him, but another thing with Heist Pale Ale is it references Flight 180 from the first movie. Um, you don't see it in this one. It's either in one or four that you get a glimpse of Ice Pale Ale. It's 1.80 ABV. Wow, it's funny, but also a really low, lame ABV. Snakes have more hops than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the equivalent of not. I think that would be considered non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, and that's O'Doul's. That's some O'Doul's level shit right there. Considering in the fourth movie, a guy gets fucking smashed on it and he dies an alcohol. Oh yeah, devil. <laughs> a lot of goddamn. 
1.8% beer. Yeah, and so this other car comes careening down, this other big truck, and so they jump out their window, and is it the engine from his truck or the other truck that flies forward and burrows its way into Frankie's skull? I have no idea, but it is, that is a a scene of, that is something. Yes, because the engine flies into his car and it's the fan on it just slices up his head. And then after that, they're like talking, and then the engine goes off again, just just to be cheesy and excessive. Yes, just to. <laughs> I literally laughed out loud. I was, I was like, oh my just god, just so hammer at home. Someone was some practical effects guy was having super fun day that day. So they they're like, oh well, none of this was in that picture, and they go look at the other pictures, you know. And there's that moment where they stop at the picture of Carrie. Yeah. Who, nothing in her picture foreshadows her death, by the way. No. Um, and Kevin's all, I was going to ask her to marry me after graduation. Meanwhile, Wendy's like, yeah, about that. Yeah. I'm trying really hard not to say anything. <laughs> because, yeah, Carrie said she was going to break up with him after graduation. And also, he's an idiot. You don't propose, like, in high school. He's, I mean, he seems like a well-meaning guy. Yeah, he's... Even if he was a bit of a... Perv. Yeah, because they get to the upskirt photo. And they mm-hmm. notice Frankie is in the background, and there's a fan through him. But looking at that yeah. photo, that's an impossible photo for that upskirt. Oh. And if you look closely at that photo, that girl is wearing no skirt at all. <laughs> it is just panties, and here's Frankie over here. There's no skirt at all in that photo. Because if she was, how many times did you watch? How many times did you rewind it to analyze? <laughs> because I was like, wait, if it's an upskirt, all we would see is the rest of the skirt. How are we seeing Frankie? I see, I, I see pantsu is still a thing. <laughs> yeah. And so they, um, they're like, so they, they <laughs> some things don't change. Yeah, no, do they? they don't. They, they're gonna go. They print off Lewis's picture where it looks like his head's getting crushed by a weight, and there's all this stuff in the background. Notably, this guy, the Sultan guy, holding the shimitars. Because yes. they're like, he's going to whatever university, and their mascot is the Sultans. Something like, he's going to state, or some shit. Some like generic, fucking generic football school name. Yes, then they're the Sultans. And I love the weight room scene. Yes. Because on the one end, there's so many things that could go wrong that it's hinting at. Yes. It's not so much a Rube Goldberg death as much as every fucking thing in this gym is a red herring. And just a, the whole gym's a death trap. Yep. And so apparently their rival school is the Bruins. And anytime yep. somebody mentions the Bruins, the whole gym is like, fuck the Bruins! Fuck the Bruins! And Basically, my, my impression is that every single one of these players just got rejected from that school. And they have a big giant bear wearing a Bruin shirt. And at one point, the guy is lifting weights and just screaming at this bear. Just, ah, I hate bears! Uh, well, yeah, Bruin is a bear. And Lewis is going off at one point about the Bruins, and everyone's like, fuck the Bruins! And the subtitles even show someone going, what the fuck is a Bruin anyway? A bear. Obviously, they have a bear. That guy should know. I know. I'm just saying, UCLA's mascots, the Bruins, and uh, we call them the baby bears. Um, why? Why babies? Because Cal came first. It's a in-state uh, University of California rivalry ah, thing. The bears and the bears. So we, we look at them like our little brother, which they take on they, our um, But yeah, they're screaming at the bear, and what happens is the guy that's pumping weights in front of the bear knocks off the bear's claw, which hits a dude in the head, and he drops his weights, which caused these shimitars to rattle loose and cut the cord on the weights that Lewis is lifting. Oh yeah, Lewis is yelling, fuck death the whole yeah, time. Yeah, fuck death, fuck the Bruins, fuck death. He's like, I did it, I beat death, and he lifts the weights again, and they just fall and smash his head. And it's yep. blood flies all over Wendy and Kevin. And it's glorious. I love this scene for a number of reasons. First of all, we get the old classic football homophobia. Yeah. Because what movie about sports would be complete without that? And uh, second of all, how well, who keeps sharpened swords above a doorway? And barely even attached. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's a terrible idea. Of all the contraptions in that place that are obviously capable of injuring or killing people they thought it was a good idea to throw in a couple of additional potential 
But I also love just the pure hatred these people have for the Bruins. Oh, it's great. You know, and the way he's screaming at that bear in its face while he's pumping weight. And then they're all outside, and I noticed that they're all wearing swag that says Sultans on it now. Yeah, they got their – because all their clothes are all bloody, yeah. so they changed into some Sultan swag. They're talking about their pictures, like not looking at their pictures. Because like earlier, Kevin says something like, it's not embarrassing. There's like nothing on my butt, is there? Yeah. And then she's too freaked out, so she has him drive, and he's like, does my picture have me going through a windshield or being impaled on a gear shift? And he's trying to be funny, and she's like, I'm not in the mood. We just watched a man's head smashed for the second time in two days. I know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point, you've got to be getting used to it, right? I mean, you watched all your friends die on the roller coaster. You saw – I guess they didn't see the, the aftermath of the, the tanning bed incident, but they saw the couple of dudes' heads get smashed in or cut up or whatever. So they go to save Aaron and Ian, who we never even really discussed earlier. Oh, yeah, those kids. They're like the goth kids, 2006 goth. It's, so um, it's like emo. It's, it's Chris Pratt and his girlfriend from uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, they are kind of like them. That's all I could think about watching. Like, this just remind me of those characters. April was her name. Ah, there you go. I didn't actually watch it very closely. My wife watched all of it, and I had, was always doing whatever, playing games or some shit. And, uh, I would hear some jokes or something and watch it for a couple minutes. And then, I watched I couldn't remember that the whole series twice. <laughs> it was, I mean, the bits I, I watched were good. I just don't watch TV. I don't watch it as it airs. <laughs> I watch everything streaming. We're, it's pretty much the norm for everybody now. I know, but I just don't. That involves me getting like I have to get invested, and then like sixty seasons later, it's still the same shit. Yeah, but anyway, so Aaron and Ian, they are closing a hardware store. They're the only employees closing this hardware store that. Apparently is so badly managed that they trust these two 17-year-olds with all of this heavy equipment unsupervised. You know, yep. he's riding around this lift, and I have just taken my uh, powered industrial vehicle training class. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, he's doing everything wrong. He is not being safe at all. And she um has to... Well, he's, sh he's shooting pigeons with a uh, nail gun. Yeah. Hey, it's, uh, what, second week in a row we had nail guns now? Yes, it is. And in fact, at one point, uh, Aaron, she's like, yeah, as soon as I put away this infant and this uh, merchandise that our pinhead customers can't put away. <laughs> I'm like, oh, foreshadowing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and this death is absolutely Rube Goldberg. I'm like, I can't even get yeah. into it, but it's basically, uh, you know, this falls onto this thing, which makes the forklift go and a hammer falls and it's so complicated you have the forklift that's running by itself of course because um not? there is a line a question on the test that i took for the the forklift training of like what is the, an unattended forklift did you just write c scene in in a Final Destination 3? Well, one of the options on the question was a forklift that is driving by itself with no operator. That would be unattended. <laughs> like, that's this movie. Ghost, ghost Ride the Forklift? Yeah. And they intervene to save Ian from all of the vampire stakes that are carried at this. <laughs> that's right. Well, I mean, sometimes she's got to... I guess Vancouver just has vampire I know. That's what I'm guessing. Um... And they, you know, when they save him, they throw Aaron into a nail gun, and her face is nailed like through the back of her head, like fifteen times. It's a, uh, it's pretty special. It's got a, oh, what is it? Those things that they're banning on assault rifles? Oh, like a like an extended clip? No, the uh, bump stock. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the nail gun's so got a bump stock on it. So that's why it's just boom, 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 boom over again. Quake, uh, Quake guy would love that. <laughs> and that was always my favorite weapon in Quake, the nail gun. The nail gun. I liked that one. It would shot really fast, too. Yeah. It, it ate through ammo like no nothing else, but... 
Yeah, but it ate three enemies, too. <laughs> They're trying to decide who was sitting in front of them on the right. Yep, they can't figure it. They didn't, no one saw, apparently. Yeah, no one saw, apparently. And about this point, you know, Wendy realizes, oh, it was my sister. You know, I can recognize this bracelet. I'm like, right. you would have recognized your sister in front of you on the ride and in the chaos after. I know. You would have, she would have, you would have seen her. Yes. Like, you don't know your sister? You had that touching moment earlier. <laughs> I mean, I know you, there's a lot of chaos, but you still would have been like, you still would have seen your sister get on the ride in front of you. <laughs> and we get to the reason I picked this movie for 4th of July week, is this town's tricentennial fest. Um... I, I'm, just, I'm convinced Canada's very confused about holidays. Well, I think this takes place in upstate New York. But yeah, I think it's because they're celebrating through the lens of a Canadian. They're celebrating the, I guess, the town's tricentennial. I mean, that's, uh, you know, East Coast, it is possible to have cities that are older than. Yeah. I mean, I think New York is, for example, but Boston. Everything in here is so Fourth of July related. They've yeah, nothing actually having to do with the town. They've got Revolutionary War cosplay. They've got Benjamin Franklin and Paul Revere about the British are coming, which is all Fourth of July stuff. And this is right around Fourth of July. I mean, they just graduated high school. This is a couple weeks later, so the time yeah. frame. And so I'm like, okay. This movie takes place in the future. It's the year 2076. That's why this, you, you have go. this tricentennial that is <laughs> all revolutionary for. Whales, whales have come back in style. iPods are back are a thing again. Everything that is old is new. Yes, and so everything goes wrong at this tricentennial festival, and it's just absolutely amazing. I love it. Um, you have that horse. That's just freaked out by the fireworks. Oh, my favorite. This is my favorite line of the movie. Fuck you, Ben Franklin. <laughs> yeah, for, and that's for no reason. I'm pretty sure several of the other founding fathers felt the same way, by the way. I'm sure fuck you, Ben Franklin was on the lips of many. There's a whole song about it in Hamilton. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. No, there's not. I mean. But yeah, the horse freaking out is just hilarious. And the way, you know, because that's what happens with all animals during 4th of July. I know my dogs are getting it because people can't wait until the 4th to set off their fireworks. I know. They've been setting off fireworks around here for like the last six years straight. It throws the dogs into a panic attack like this horse. Luckily, I do not have uh, a dog for that. It's the end of times, you fool. I think that uh, oatmeal comic. (laughs) I know the one you're talking about. Saved you a spot next to me because I love you. The um the horse is apparently barely tied to well no the tied to this stake that's just barely in the ground so the horse bolts and pulls the stake up with him. This just waving around, knocking everything, grabs. I think Julie is the name of Wendy's sister. Yes, Julie. Yeah. Grabs Julie around the neck and is just dragging her behind him. Like that scene from Coffee. It is, only with a horse instead of a car. Yep. And Kevin manages to save her at the last second. Yeah, luckily for Julie, uh, it, it's not nearly as long of a ride as uh, <laughs> our poor pimp friend yeah. from coffee. But she's about to go right into these spiked wheels things. I'm like a random harvester parked in this thing. <laughs> Conveniently, conveniently parked there. Yeah, and um, they ask her, like, who was sitting next to you on the ride? They're next. Instantly, a flag flies and impales this Asian girl. Yeah, I said, uh, this is where Julie skipped. Unfortunately, that means dot, 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 next line, rip Julie's friend. <laughs> yep, rip Julie's friend. We don't even get her name. Yeah, we don't get her name. And we don't, I don't even really, really like, know where the flag came from. Nope. Just somewhere. <laughs> flag. God smote her. Death just yeeted a flag at her. Death just, I fucked this Rube Goldberg shit. It's like, these kids are getting in my, are hushing my, are hushing my buzz. <laughs> Stupid kids. I'm just gonna throw this. And we're gonna stop real quick for a commercial break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hello, town of McKinley. This 4th of July, celebrate the history of our town 
at our Tricentennial Festival at the McKinley County Fairgrounds. We have fireworks and Revolutionary War cosplay, Benjamin Franklin, Paul Revere, warning everyone about the British is coming. Because apparently nothing happened for the first 70 years of our town that we just jumped right into 1776. And apparently nothing happened in our town at all because all that Paul Revere and Benjamin Franklin stuff happened elsewhere. Not here in the town of McKinley, in upstate New York. So really, this just your sort of standard 4th of July thing. Why are we confusing people with calling it our tricentennial? Is it a copyright thing? I don't know. So come on down to McKinley County Fairgrounds for the 4th of July, I mean the tricentennial, where we celebrate our town's history by borrowing other historical figures because our town is a boring shithole. No, I mean our town is wonderful. Come celebrate with us this weekend. And we're back. So Wendy realizes with her picture. Oh, no, I skipped over Kevin's not death. Because his oh, death yeah. is like um, after he took the upskirt photo to fuck with him. Wendy had like, made the camera go off in his face with the flash all bright. And that's the picture of yeah. something blowing up in his face. And he thinks it's going to be fireworks, but it's a uh, a kebab stabs the line of a propane tank and yeah. blows up. But. Wendy saves him just in time. So he lives, and Wendy realizes that from her picture, the, her death is going to be Ian McKinley. It has right. the same name as the high school, and an assassin. And there's a scene about him talking about how lame that was earlier. And nobody mentions assassinated president, because that's kind of just a motif. So they're just screaming at Ian to stay away. He's being an asshole to them. And this thing of fireworks falls off of its hitch and just fires them all at him. And none of them hit him. So he thinks he's just, like, immune to death at this point. Much like, uh, much like, yeah, much like Lewis, Texas battle, yep. who lost the battle. Yeah, he did. And so this crane falls down because that's what the fireworks hit. And it just smashes him. Yeah. And into splits him down yeah. the middle. And his arms twitching into a middle finger. Yeah. And we jump to five months later. It's just the movie's like resolved, done. Uh. Right. Except there's this one little thing where it wasn't it supposed to skip Ian? Except it did Well, they saved Ian, yeah, but... Yeah, I think this movie had a lot of inconsistencies. I'm trying to remember. There was something really inconsistent. I think it's just the tricentennial thing that really pissed me off. That's the most <laughs> inconsistent. So it's five months later. They're leaving college around Thanksgiving because she's on a subway with friends and you hear somebody talking about, oh, I can't wait to eat this turkey. And some Bruins fans Some Bruins show fans up. show up and they're... Yeah, they're just as bad as the Sultan. <laughs> just screaming right. out all of their hatred. Only now in face paint. Right. And um, they find Kevin on the train because Wendy runs and Julie shows, Julie shows up, up. And Kevin's there. He's like, I'm going up to the game. I'm like, this game that we've been hearing about the whole movie? And there's like... It's train 180, and there's all these little hints on the door. Yeah, the uh, uh, well, the names of the stops are assassins, because there's yep. Booth is the one that they they pass up, and the last stop is Oswald. Yep. And ever all the ads are for McKinley businesses for some reason. <laughs> Phoenix Tanning Salon, the Build It Hardware. Um, and then all the places where you know somebody may have and, died. And then just recently. an ad for an attorney, a tax attorney. That's like death and taxes. That's right, because uh, death. And um, yeah, the train derails because of a. Oh yeah, I, I would like to point out there's there's a song that's over uh, someone's. Oh yes, you, there's someone walking behind you. Walking behind you, and there's this random dude on the train playing guitar and singing. It's obviously like death. Like just well, being all a the movies asshole. had that musical motif. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The original had Leaving on a Jet Plane. Second one had Highway to Hell. Oh, Can't remember the fourth one. And the fifth one was Dust in the Wind. God, you're my boy, <laughs> Blue. That's fucking old school. It is one of my favorites. 
we might do that like when we do the the call the, the shitty 80s teen comedies because old school is like an yes, homage please. to that one we might visit that i am completely down that is an absolute favorite of mine. <laughs> but anyway this train well one of the Bruins fans throws a candy bar into the trash but misses, and this poor little rat gets the candy bar. He ready. <laughs> and um, gets shocked on these exposed wires and electrocutes to death. It was like, what did the rat do to deserve that? What did the rat do to you, Death? Just an asshole. Did we miss the uh, the movie with the, the rats on the little rat roller coaster underground? Final rat sedation. And this rat had somehow, you know, had a premonition of other rats dying. She, and, she did yeah. death. It's, it's yes, it's exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the aftermath of Secret of Nim. There, yeah. we got there. They cheated death, and so this rat, poor little rat, is shocked, but it causes the train to derail, and they all die. And oh, it's a premonition again, but this time they can't escape. And the train crashes. We get the lights flickering and the sound, and it just goes to black, and the credits roll over. Love train. <laughs> People all over the world join hands. Yeah. So, this, these are my notes. Rip Julie, rip Kevin. Wendy is still alive somehow. Another premonition, not a great ending. Those are my last. <laughs> I know notes. I like the ending. That's uh, it's just like I'm just reading it, rereading it now, and I'm like, man, it's kind of like that that Family Guy episode where Brian takes the blind guy to um, Blair Witch Project. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Something about a map. Nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. It's over. Everyone looks pissed. But all of the final destinations end with the characters thinking that they've survived, but then this big horrible death happens. Yes, and now and now we can get to my crux of the issue with this fucking movie. All right, begin rant. Okay, so this is actually an excellent movie. <laughs> the effects are great. It's shot well. The acting is is excellent. Everything about it is good. It's actually actually emotional, and you care about the characters, and then. It just goes full nihilist at the end and just kills everybody off, which is fine. I mean, that's not my style of movie, but that's fine. But then I go back and I'm like, oh, well, that's maybe maybe that's like a, a twist. Because remember, I haven't seen the other movies, right? Yeah. So I go back and read the synopsis of the first two movies. I'm like, this happens in every single fucking movie. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, the first time, it's kind of unique and interesting, right? It's like, oh, okay, that's an interesting twist on this genre. And the second time, it's like, hmm. And by this one, which is the third one, you go, why am I seeing this? Why do I even remotely invested in any of these characters? I know they're all going to die. So there's nothing that there's no surprise. There's no interest. And in fact, there's no real reason to watch it. But it's actually really well acted. You do get invested in these characters. But that's the problem. It's like if I if I if I had seen the first two, like if this wasn't my first one, it would have been very uninteresting. I probably wouldn't have been invested in the characters because I knew they're all just gonna go fuck off and die. Having it been my first one to watch, like, oh okay, yeah, I did. But like now that I know if I went on to watch the first one, the second one, the fourth one, and I know you say not watch one, but well the fifth one I would go, I don't, I don't care about any of these guys, they're just gonna die in the end anyway, what do I give a shit? The fourth one is so terrible. It's so bad. I hate it so much. So this is another movie that, and this is kind of a trend, a theme in a lot of the movies. It's like, if they had done something slightly different, it could have been really good. It doesn't have to have a happy ending. Maybe every most people die. I don't know. But there has to be a reason for you to care about the characters if you know they're going to die, which anybody who had seen the previous two would have. That's why... The fifth one is actually kind of good with that ending. It's the same kind of ending, but it's a twist that serves the entire franchise. Because the entire time in the fifth one, and I'm going to spoil it here. Sure. You don't realize that it takes place in 99. Oh. They do a good point of, it takes place in 99, but there's no tells, really. So it chronologically is the first one? So it chronologically is the first one, and after they've escaped death at the end of the movie... They're getting on a plane to France, and they see the kids from the first movie having the the fight to get off the plane because the kid had the premonition. Ah. And so the disaster at the end of the fifth movie is the plane crash from the first movie. That's clever. That one I liked. You see, that works, and see, that gives you something interesting to tie it back in. That makes up for five having really shitty 3D. 
<laughs> I mean, is 3D ever good? Like, when it's designed for that sort of shit? Like, as much as I liked my Bloody Valentine 3D, the 3D was still pretty lame. Yeah, it would have given me a headache. Yeah. So I actually liked this movie in a vacuum. And this is another theme. It's like, some of these movies you watch are like, this is really good in a vacuum. Yeah, if it's not a sequel to something. But then when you start looking at it, it's like, should this have been done? Like, should this have been done in the first place? You know, if this was the first one, it would be awesome. But the the, the fact that the third one's following the, the same exact formula as the first two makes it kind of uninteresting, and unique. And you know, it's like, it's it's maybe I shouldn't have looked up, but it's just like, I don't know. It just, it bothered me. But really, it bothered me that it kind of copied the same thing. And I was having this discussion with my wife about the Saw franchise being kind of the same thing. I guess they're included in a, a subgenre of slasher film called Grand Slashers. Like Grandma where, or Grand? Like Grand Like Google. Grand. Grand. Like, uh, like Grand. Extravagant. Okay. And, uh, and I was thinking this about Saw movies too. Like, the first one is actually really good. Yeah. It's just really interesting. It's basically just two people in a room. And, you know, it's interesting and novel, unique. But then they and then follow. the sequels kind of ruin everything. Well, the thing with the Saw sequels, which we might visit them, I don't know. I don't have any great yen to. No. There's a lot of them, but like the second and maybe the third one, those were actually spec scripts that somebody had written for just a horror movie. They converted them into... And they're like, well, let's throw a jigsaw in here and call it Saw 4 or whatever. Yeah, so just not good. But if anyone's going to just watch a Final Destination movie and call it good at that and never watch others, 3 is the way to go. Yeah, I'll give you that. It's probably going to be me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, in a vacuum, I liked it. I think that's why the ending was so disappointing to me in the first place is because it was so good otherwise. Sometimes... Well, and I, you know, I felt this way about Sleepaway Camp either, too. Sometimes a bad ending just, you know, sours the whole experience. My go-to example for that is always um, AI. Oh, yeah, AI. Should have just ended with the kid fucking staring at the fairy godmother at the bottom of the sea. It would have been this, like, melancholy, sort of bittersweet ending. Oh, I had almost... Instead, we get, like, alien robots or whatever the hell. Kubrick decided to shit out of his ass at the end of that movie. I thought AI had ended that way, because that was, like, the place to end that movie. That was the correct place to end that movie, And it's such a long fade that I thought the movie was over, and I started to get up and go. You should have. And I was like, I should have just kept fucking walking. Yes, you should (laughs) have. Because the whole weird robot thing, that I guess was in Kubrick's original work, this wasn't something that Spielberg decided he wanted to ejaculate onto the movie screen. Uh... It's so bad. So bad. Oh, yes, it's quite bad. It's like, why is this the ending? It doesn't work on an emotional level. It doesn't work on, like, a... It just doesn't make... It's like, oh, look, a bunch of super advanced robots and X number of years later find him. It's like... Yeah. I don't know. I hate that ending, too. Anyway. But Find Destination 3, like you said, it's better in a vacuum. Well, in Japan, it's just called Final Death Coaster. I mean, you know, it's funny. I thought the whole, I thought the whole movie was going to take place in the amusement park. Oh, that they were going to get interesting. off. They were going to get off, and then the thing was going to crash, and then all the uh, they can't get out, so they're all getting crazy Rube Goldberg de- deaths in the uh, amusement park. But then we would never have had the fuck the Bruin scene. That's true. I'm not saying it would have been better, just that's what I was expecting. <laughs> or the infamous tanning bed. But no, I, I do love this one. And it got me watching the others, except for, fuck four, it's a Bruin. That's right, there you go. Uh, so next week we're doing Final Destination 4 and 5, no. <laughs> God damn it, Alexis throwing an audible. No, actually next Omaha, <laughs> Omaha. <laughs> next week we're doing car exploitation. Car exploitation, yes. Yes, car exploitation, exploitation of cars with Death Race 2000, the infamous one, the Corman flick with uh, David Carradine. And... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Trying to think, it was like, was it David or Keith? David. It's or Keith? David Carradine. It's David Carradine and Sylvester Stallone. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in it. And Paul Bartel. 
Yeah, it's um, actually a surprisingly good cast for the uh, kind of movie it is. Yeah, it's a classic. And our pairing bonus episode for that is... Um, Point Break. Oh, wait, no. No, that's surf exploitation. That is a genre, by the way. I, also, this movie is literally Point Break, though. Yes, it's Fast and the Furious. It's Point Break with cars. Yeah, um... It's that obscure Vin Diesel movie no one knows about. Cause they all yeah, know him as Groot and Riddick. They don't know about this character. <laughs> never, uh, never made any money. This yeah. franchise, but not, we'll... <laughs> not, not certainly not billions upon billions of dollars. But we'll be looking at Fast and the Fears, and we'll be trying out something different next week. So pay attention to that. Keep an eye on the social media, which I have to pull up here, you know, because. Professional podcast. I was say we're professional podcasters. <laughs> Let's see here. So yeah, that was our episode on Final Destination Three. Hope you enjoyed it because I did. Uh, big special thanks to Charlie McMullen, Charlie McMullen, William Wright, and Martha Page for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploitedpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, at PodcastExploit, or on Instagram, at ExploitedPodcast. Or contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next week for car exploitation. <laughs> <laughs>